hymnals tonight. And uh, if you've got a hymnal in front of you, turn to number uh, uh, 314, He Touched Me. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. I didn't know y'all could sing like that with your bellies full. <laughs> I think we better stand up on this one so we can wail some more. Turn to number 493. Uh, uh, we'll understand it better by and by. Trials dark on
Praise the Lord. You may be seated. And uh, uh, our speaker tonight is a friend of mine. We went to Louisville Bible College together. And uh, uh, Jimmy is from around the area here. He grew up in Madison. We try not to hold that against him. But uh, anyway, uh, Jimmy is... Uh, been to several different churches around the area and uh, he also is working with uh, the youth uh, uh, fellowship youth fellowship Christian athletes and so he's uh, probably going to talk a little bit about that tonight too but he's going to come and share with us and uh, I think after you hear him speak tonight you'll never have to have me introduced again Jimmy Butters I should be going. All right. Ooh, I'm echoing. Well, good evening. That's different. I usually say good morning. It's different. Things are different. That's okay. It's not always different. It's not always the same, and it's okay. A little bit about myself. I, you know... <clears throat> You all are amazing. I think that Mike Wall may have come to you all and gotten a scholarship for me to go to Louisville Bible College a while back. Do you all remember my name? Thank you. Thank you. You all and the scholarship from the president uh, when the president passed and I, I was the first... Uh, Person to get his scholarship, it finished out my degree. Amen. I spent 18 years going to Louisville Bible College off and on to get that bachelor's degree. I have now got three certificates, and um, I have a uh, associate's degree and two bachelor's degrees. And the one bachelor degree I have is a Bible college that no longer exists and a degree I never got. But I was the first graduate of Johnson Christian College that never, that no longer exists, and I never got my degree, but I was the first graduate. Frank Johnson passed away, and his son was supposed to make sure I got my degree, and he never made sure I got my degree. And he, his son just gaffed me off, and I never got my paperwork. So I actually have a degree from a Bible college that doesn't exist. And I said, I had, I had a lady make me make me promise. She said, Jimmy Butters, you need to be teaching in Bible college. And I was like, now, Miss LaRue, you're, you're really pushing things. I said, I'm not really that. She said, no, you, you just have that kind of a temperament. You need to be teaching in a Bible college. So she made me promise her that one day I would get my master's degree and I would teach in a Bible college. And I'm now working on my master's at Louisville Bible College so that I can teach. And I just sat, I just sat down and talked in uh, how many of y'all know that the WWW is down in, it's the winter workshop down in Pigeon Forge. I went down there and I spoke with Dr. Mike Householder, who has a new Bible college that they're opening up in Cuba. 
And hopefully this next year, they're starting in April this year, they're going to be having their first classes. And hopefully next year, I will be teaching my first classes in Cuba at a new Bible college. Isn't that cool? After 18 years of Bible college, actually, I'm actually in my 20th year. But I, I, I skipped a year last year. I just kind of took a year off. I was like, I'm tired. I, I have my degree, and I was like, I'm going to be lazy. I'm just going to take one or two classes at a time until I get my master's. God, I tell you, you know, you just take, it takes a long time to get all that stuff. Most and, of us in here are just barely over 20. I know, right? <laughs> you know how I know how long I've been in Bible college? i got a son that's 20 years old, and my first semester of Bible college was when he was born. <laughs> I figured, how old are you, Hunter? I'm 20. That's how long I've been in Bible college. <laughs> That's how I remember. But I've been at Louisville Bible College, you know, all those years. And I finally got my degree in 2020. And I have a cap and gown. And I have my cap along with my son, who graduated high school at the same time. <laughs> the same year he and I graduated together. That was kind of cool. Kind of a cool thing. So, another little thing about me: I, I am an old, uh, an old uh, grouchy uh, veteran. I have a hat that says "Grumpy Old Vet," and I'm an old Marine. And I did grow up in uh, a family of Marines. My mother was the daughter of a U.S. Marine drill instructor, so I had that kind of old mentality of a Marine growing up. I actually taught my drill instructor how to make a proper rack. That was a wrong thing to do. <sighs> he didn't quite get his corners just right. And I had to go back in there and correct it for him. <laughs> Don't do that. If you ever have any, your grandkids or your kids ever go into military, tell them, do not correct drill instructor, whatever you do. It's not a good thing to do. But he was impressed that I knew how to make a Marine Corps rack right out of the boot. So I, as a junior year in high school, I joined the U.S. Marine Corps, and I left for Paris Island the summer of 88 when I graduated, and I remember very clearly the day that I was called to go to war. It was a difficult day. I got called to a formation, and they said... Saddam Hussein has just entered into Kuwait. And we were all looking at each other like, what? Butterflies. And he said, Marines, we're going to war. And he said, go back and get your gear. And we sat on a flight line for three days waiting to get on a plane to go to a, a base that, in a top secret base that we didn't know where we were no one was allowed to know where we were going. And the whole time, my stomach was... Whew, whew. We were going to war. I could still remember that to this day. And I tell you how I can remember it, because I feel that same feeling as I sit down and prepare sermons. As I was going through this message tonight, I felt it. As I prepared my message for yesterday morning, I felt it. 
See, we are in a war. An all-out, full-blown spiritual war. Men, I can say that when we wake up and we begin to preach the Word of God as preachers or or elders in a church or leaders in a church, we're teaching sermons or we're teaching classes in, in, in Sunday school, we are dealing with the forces of evil. And we are at war. Church, we live in one of the most perilous days in church history. Yeah. And I think, Jimmy, what are you thinking? That, that's a huge statement considering the persecution in the first century church. Yeah, 20,000 Christians sat down and they hid and they were running for persecution. But compare that to the millions all over the world who are running from Islam and communism today. We have population in the billions, and we have millions all over the world. 25,000 Christians are being baptized into Christ every day in China in a persecuted church. Amen. 25,000. Could you imagine adding 25,000 new Christians in America every day in a persecuted American church? I kind of wonder... Maybe that's what we need. Because I wonder sometimes as the church is lacking and the persecuted church is thriving and they're hiding in holes. They're running from Islam and communism, places in China and Cambodia, Indonesia. We have a brother who was here last well, a week and a half ago, right? Brother Herman, he's serving there. He's getting ready to head over right now to Indonesia. And he couldn't even be video cameraed while he was here because he was afraid his image would end up on Facebook and one of them over there would find out who he was. And he's got video of people with their heads cut off, brothers, who were in a Bible college learning the Word of God. And the Muslims came in and murdered them. Don't tell me we don't have persecution in the church. North Korea just launched a missile from a submarine in the direction of South Korea because our United States military in South Korea are doing a co-op military, which we do every year. We were doing it when I was over there. And that was a long time ago, guys. <laughs> that was 30-something years ago. Okay, Those Westpacs were well done long years ago. And they're, they're rattling sabers. I tell you what. I got a young man there. <laughs> I ministered to that boy. I taught him for years. His dad just baptized him before he headed over to Korea. And he's there now. Don't tell me. We don't have a persecuted church. Amen. He's in the Air Force. His name's Loki. Cooper, if you'd like to pray for him. We have places in Africa right now that are being people getting cut off, their heads cut off with machetes because of their belief in what we believe freely Amen. in this nation. 
We need to understand that America is not the norm for Christianity. We cannot... Folks, you know we can add Canada now to the list? We had persecution in a terrible way up in Canada just recently. How many of y'all remember just a couple years ago when your churches were shut down by the state? And their doors were shut. Our church lost everything that we gained over a three-year period while I was at Scottsville. I'm no longer at Scottsville because apparently it's my fault COVID hit. Just saying. Think about that for a minute. Now, preacher, you know that the first century church lived in the greatest persecution ever seen. Yes, they did. But I want you to understand that they lived in a day that was 2,000 years ago, and we live in the day now that's 2,000 years closer to the day of Jesus' return. Amen. And we don't know when it's coming. But we're a lot closer. Looking it's coming. <laughs> and we're that much closer to it. Satan is even more powerful today than he has ever been in the world population in the billions living in the world. And the church is losing ground. With this said, we live in a day when Jesus is likely to return, and I know this to be true. I am very concerned because we see churches today that are more worried about the color of their carpets, their hymns versus the contemporary. They're more concerned about traditions versus progressiveness than they are about waging war against Satan. I struggle with this, man. I struggle with it. The fact is, we are children of God. And we have fallen for the lie of Satan, and he has masterfully manipulated our leaders into looking one way and attacking from another. I'll tell you, it's a plan of attack that works every time. As children of God, we must stop looking at our buildings. We need to stop looking at our traditions. And it's time to start studying and preparing for the spiritual warfare that's ahead for us. Amen. Because it's going to get worse. Amen. The Word of God, if you haven't read the end, it gets worse, man. It gets a lot worse. If you have your Bibles with you, and I hope you do, if you would turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm reading from the New American Standard. I'm going to begin in verse 1. Somebody say amen when you get there. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, 
arrogant revilers, disobedient to parents. We don't have that at all. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. And avoid such men as these. An unprepared warrior will not hold out against the enemy as powerful and as cunning as Satan. Since believers are at war with Satan, we need to train wisely so that our, heart, our hearts will remain clean and our testimony might remain strong. Church, our testimony is not strong. We do not have a strong testimony right now. I work in the world. I'll be honest with you. When I talk to people about coming to church, I don't go to church. Why? I don't want to be around them kind of people. Really? You wouldn't believe stuff happened to me when I was a kid at church. You don't believe my own children, men. I can't get them to go to church because of the way that the church has treated me. I will tell you, my own children will tell you straight up, it's hard for me to go to church because I saw the way they treat my dad. I want you to think about that. Preachers, y'all know what I'm talking about. Elders, make sure your preachers aren't treated bad. Please, don't do it in front of their kids. Don't do it in front of their kids. the only regret I have in 20 years it's the only regret I have is that I let the church rule over me in front of my children don't do it in front of your kids As children of God, we must stop looking at our buildings and our traditions, and it's time to start studying to prepare for spiritual warfare that's ahead of us. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, we just read. Flip over, if you would, to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. And we got to think about this. Peter says, be sober, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your, ad, your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Amen. 
The Bible is clear. The devil is determined to destroy the saints. For this reason, we must view our lives as our personal battlegrounds. This is a battle for the lives and the souls of everyone that we love. We have to be willing to do whatever it takes for those that we love. Why are we battling over things that don't matter whatsoever when it comes to the color of the carpet, when it comes to things that don't mean anything, when it comes to a spiritual warfare? We need to be worried about souls and we're worried about traditions. We're worried about stuff that doesn't mean squat in the church. And we need to be worried about winning souls. Amen. Brothers, we're going to have people that we're going to miss in heaven. And I hope and pray that we aren't held accountable for the ones we lose. That's something to think about. That's some heavy, heavy material to think about. I have sat and listened over the last 20-some years about people saying, well, I don't want any instruments in our church. I don't want to hear the new music in our church. That stuff doesn't belong here. I was in my first congregation one of the elders in the church, we brought in a new song. We had one song a week. <laughs> one song. That was all we wanted. That was a more modern song. And we brought in a song back in the day. This is, remember, 20-some years ago. And it had the first verse of Amazing Grace in a modern song. Monday morning at the elders' meeting, Elder walks in, slammed his fist down. I don't ever want to hear that song in my church again. Really? I picked up my Bible, threw it across the desk and said, Show me in there where amazing grace is in that Bible. Last time I heard, Mr. Elder, it's in the hymnal. That was blasphemy. Really? Come on. Come on, man. What did that make a bit of difference? That started a war in that church. Like you wouldn't believe. And two weeks later, I was packing my bags... And my, and my children, and we were moving from New Mexico back to Indiana. Because I looked at that man and said, last time I heard this was Jesus Christ Church. Amen. Not Buck Bridgewaters. Just because you're the elder don't make this your church. Yep. He's the head of this church. And if you think that this is your church, I'm out. Elder looked at me and said, we pay your paycheck. I said, not anymore. I'm outie. See ya. They were like, you're 1,500 miles from home. Yep. 
you're right. And I called, and I had a job before I made it home. Right over here, working with kids. Didn't have a church, but I had a job before I ever made it home. God made sure I was okay. And a month after I got back, I had a church down the road. God knew where I needed to be. Amen. And it wasn't at Buck Bridgewater's church. <laughs> it was at Jesus' church. That's right. You darn too. You know what? The devil's laughing his fool head off at us. He really is. Yep. Next thing that we need to be working on, man. As soldiers, we need to undergo extensive training. We need to be going after him with everything that we had. Everyday believers have an opportunity to demonstrate their trust in God, and at least in small ways. It's preparation for facing the future decisions and adversities of the wisdom and courage that the Bible gives us. We must develop good study habits. We need to be solid in our prayer life. And we want to beat back the darts of the enemy. We need to learn to put on the full armor of God. Amen. We need to be ready to fight with all of our hearts, our minds, body, and soul. Without good preparation, we cannot expect to win this war. That's just the truth of the matter. Paul says to put on the full armor of God. Our churches have created multiple ways over the years to develop and develop awesome Bible study habits. We have monthly Bible studies, daily Bible studies. You can get up every day and have Word of God sent right to your phone. Yeah. Do you know that? Yeah. You can have it sent to you in a, in a, not only in a text, but in an email. You can have it sent to you in where they will actually call and call and tell you a Bible verse. You know, there's all kinds of things that you can do. Wednesday night Bible studies, lessons for the youth, praying, you know, prayer, you know, Bible studies that you pray at. You just go and, and set up times to just come and sit before the altar and pray. How many of y'all have prayer time in your church where you come together once a week or once a month and everybody prays? Just an hour of just getting together and praying. Anybody ever do a 24-hour prayer vigil in your church? Just open up the doors and leave them open? How amazing is that? That we have the doors of the church open in this community, see the lights on for 24 hours a day. What's going on over there? There's cars in the parking lot all night long. Mm-mm-mm. Ladies, you ought to be looking for Bible studies. Good, solid Bible studies that are teaching Titus to women. LBC, they created classes that they can come and sit in your churches and teach Bible college classes in your churches. Did you know that? They will come and do that if you ask them. They will send professors to your churches and set up Bible college classes. You can actually have a Bible college set up in your church. All you got to do is call uh, Louisville Bible College. Say, hey, do you all have a professor that's anywhere near me? And some of them will drive a long distance. You'd be surprised. It's amazing what you can do. 
When I was at Scottsville, we had two or three different professors that would come over there. Carrie Allen himself, President Allen, would come to our church and teach the, our Titus class and our Timothy classes to us. He didn't care. He said, hey, you guys need it? We'll come teach it. It's amazing what you can get done. He will do whatever you need to do to educate your churches to do what we need to do. We need to be putting on the full armor of God. Soldiers must know how to use your weapons. My time in the Marine Corps, oh man, in boot camp, that M16A2 service rifle, we knew that thing inside and out, backwards and forwards. We could take it apart blindfolded and put it back together. It was awesome. You know, I mean, we could tear that thing down and put it back together. We, we sit there for hours just cleaning one little part. <laughs> Don't you dare go down that shaft on that rifle. You, you just clean that muzzle compensator. Don't ever get off of it until we tell you. I found out one time you don't ever want to go one inch below it. I was doing push-ups till my nose was bleeding. <laughs> you just keep going right there. You, you, you learn that little spot real good, right? That M16A2 service rifle is capable of firing a 5.56 millimeter either at a single or a three-round three burst by the use of a selector lever. Let me tell you, you learn it real well. You know that weapon. Same goes for the preacher. Same goes for the Christian. Amen. Let me tell you, this is the weapon. Amen. The rest, the, all that other stuff Paul says is your defense. Yes. You have one weapon. This is it. Yep. It's all you got. In a spiritual warfare, you got a sword of the spirit. That's it. It's a two-edged sword. Yep. And it cuts. And I'll tell you, it cuts like a knife. Because there's some people, they will tell you, I don't like what you had to say. You just, you just, you felt like you caught me right there. Well, you were watching in my windows. No, I'm not. You shouldn't be doing whatever you're doing if you think I'm watching in your windows. Because I ain't looking in nobody's windows, I promise you. That just means you're doing something you ain't supposed to be doing. Let me tell you, folks, if we don't understand the Word of God, if we haven't studied it, if it hasn't become a part of us, then we don't know our weapon. God wants it to be a part of us. It needs to be an effective combat weapon against Satan. He tells us everything in that book that we need to know to go to war. We need to know it. He tells us the planning of the enemy. You know, Satan, he's real bright. He knows that Bible better than we do. So we need to really learn it well. And there's something about Satan that you don't know, though. God's told us everything he does. Because he's a creature of habit. And he just keeps doing the same thing over and over. So if you learn his patterns, you know how to defend against them. That's in here. Every bit of it. Everything he does is in here. So learn it. Next, soldiers must be able to resist propaganda. During the Persian Gulf War, we were led by a man by the name of Storm and Norman. 
Man, we loved that man. We, we run into a brick wall for that dude. He said, run into that wall? I say, how hard? I love that man. And there was something about him that he was just so awesome. He knew everything that was going on in that war like you wouldn't believe. He was so amazing. He knew Saddam Hussein's moves. He knew everything he was going to do before he ever did it. You know why? <laughs> he trained him. In Lackland Air Force Base, we have this really cool training center where we train the Muslim armies. They ain't real bright. They're going to go war against us, and we trained them how to fight. We trained all their soldiers and all their, their military guys, and they're using our tactics. We don't tell them all the good stuff. Storm and Norman knew exactly what they were going to do before they ever did it. Isn't that amazing? Don't tell them the good stuff. Here's what happened. I'm sitting out the night the air war goes. It was pretty cool. I'm sitting out in line and I'm watching on the main gate and I'm watching all this armament get loaded up on the planes. And you can see the Bahrainians, they were like, look at all them bombs, right? They knew something was up. Then we started bombing. And for about a month, we bombed, and we bombed, and we bombed. And I mean, we let them have it until they were just so tired of it. When we got out there, they went, we give up. Here you go. You want our guns? Here you go. But here was the thing. Before we ever set foot on the ground, we didn't have a boot in that, in that sand over there that they didn't have a full plan on what we were doing. They went out that night. I'm sitting in a bunker right, on ne right next to the flight line. And I got my trusty gear, my Walkman. Y'all remember the Walkman? Got the little cassette player and a radio. And you know, I had everything I needed to be able to fight a war in that AM, FM radio on that Walkman. Because I could listen to the media and the media actually had Colin Powell early in my shift come across and tell them this is a full media blackout. The media will not give any information about troop movements or anything whatsoever. The media is blacked out from this moment forward. No information is to be put out. Guess what about midnight we started hearing? Marines are hitting the beach in Kuwait. We have this, 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 and hap this is happening over here. And they started giving out movements. All of a sudden, we had this full-scale full Marine attack that was coming up on the beach in Kuwait. I was mad. I'm in my little bunker out in the middle of nowhere in this little, you know, right on the side of the flight line. Of course, we didn't have planes going up at that time because, you know, we didn't have, we wouldn't drop bombs because we were actually having people out. So we're just real quiet and everything's, and I'm out in the middle of the desert and I'm just yelling, shoot that idiot! Somebody shoot him! I was using marine language though. I won't do that in church. So anyway, <laughs> I sit there, I'm yelling, somebody shoot him! Somebody shoot him! But the whole time, guess what? We never landed one marine on a beach. Colin Powell and Schwarzkopf had put it into the, 
started giving out little bits and pieces of propaganda. And we're telling them, so Saddam Hussein was moving troops and he was moving everybody over to the beach in Kuwait. There wasn't no Marines there. We were hitting them from every direction. We flanked the fourth largest army in the world and took 135 actual casualties. We killed over 200,000 of them in a month. Think about that. With 135 casualties. Now, we're still paying for it. A bunch of us are still sick. I got a son in a wheelchair. But there was victory using propaganda. Here's the thing. Propaganda is a powerful tool, and Satan will use any worldly means possible to entice a Christian away from what he believes. He will use entertainment. He will use education systems. He will use our government, science, false religions, all the tools of his trade. And as believers, we must be wise in deciding what it is that we allow into our minds, men. Because I will tell you, Every Christian is susceptible to propaganda. Whatever you put in your mind, what you allow in your mind, trash in, trash out. It's the truth. We as Christians need to have rock-solid minds. And it needs to be more worried about the Word of God and what our mission is than what is going on in the world. That's just the truth. And the last thing we need to know is that so, as soldiers, we need to know our enemy. Yes. We need to know our enemy. Satan's ways and tricks are recorded in Scripture. We need to know that his words are deceitful, but also very tempting. Yeah. The key to this part of the battle is to know that the game plan is so that we can defend against it. Storm and Norman knew Saddam's game plan. He knew it better than Saddam did. And he did it because we trained him. He understood what it was that was going to happen. I was told his sons all attended all of our military academies. Uday and Kuday and all of them. They attended all of our academies. A prepared soldier is a believer whose mind and heart are full of the Lord and his word. And that's just the truth. The spirit-filled warrior will be victorious against Satan attacks because, like Storm and Norman, we know what he's going to do before he does it. And it's easy to fight against it if you know it's coming. It's a whole lot easier to prepare for it. It was easier to prepare for COVID if we knew we can take a few vitamins and fight it off, right? Right? Even though they told us certain ones didn't work. I'm alive because it did. I won't say who I listened to. (laughs) Second Timothy chapter four, verse two. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, 
they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth, will turn aside to myths. Oh, we have the world doing that. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me that day. Amen. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Amen. That's you. Amen? Amen. Paul brings comforting words for the faithful. We must begin to study and prepare for the spiritual war that's ahead of us. We must begin to acknowledge that we are at war. Soldiers must undergo extensive training for the war. That is Bible college. I've had 18 years of some of the best teachers in the world. I'll just be truthful. I trust those men. I trust them with a lot of young people that I really love. And the, the words that I have learned from those teachers over the years, I can put into good faith to know that what I preach is the Word of God. Amen? Good soldiers must know how to use their weapons. God's word is the sword of the spirit and our most powerful asset. Good soldiers must resist the propaganda machine. And finally, good soldiers need to know their enemy. Sometimes, men, sometimes our enemies might even be in our own churches. Yep. Paul said that there were already wolves lining up at the doors. That's sad, but it's true. Amen. So be on the alert. Be faithful. It's coming soon. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We lift you up. We thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, that you have given us all that we need. We have the instruction manual to know how to be good soldiers. God, we, we love you so much. These men have come out here and given of their time. These, this church has given of its time and its, its treasure. God, we just ask that you would just lift us up as a community and a church that we might be one with you. If we are one church under God, we cannot be taken down. Amen. It is your church. You are the head. Lord, unite us. Lift us up. Let us forget about our traditions and the things that don't mean anything to you. Let's put your word first. Let's put lives and souls ahead of our wants and desires in the church. God, help us 
to do your will. Yes. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. to take up the offering for us and uh, while they're while they're collecting the offering if you want to you can go ahead and turn to him number 556 when the roll is called up yonder uh, will you be there with that rifle in your hand <laughs> uh. I was beginning to wonder if Jimmy was going to sign people up or if he was recruiting for the Marines there for a minute. <laughs> All right. Uh, who's going to be accountable for the offering since uh, Jeff's not here? Who's going to? Okay. All right. Well, let's stand together and sing this closing hymn. And, uh, of course, if you have a need this evening, uh, something touched your nerve in your heart, uh, there's plenty of guys around here that would be more than happy to pray with you. So, 556, when the roll is called up yonder.
Lord, don't forget next meeting, May 8th at Little York. And uh, if you have enjoyed yourself tonight, please say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Everybody have a blessed week.